You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Cardinals for Tuesday, December the 14th of 2021. I am the host of the show, Lucas Smith. Thanks for tuning in today and each and every day that you tune in here to Locked On. Cardinals apologies for no shows on Friday and yesterday. Friday was traveling and yesterday, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, social media, I was celebrating Monday, uh, the day after I got engaged. I now have a fiancé, proposed to my girlfriend on Sunday. She said yes, uh, so I wasn't able to get an episode out yesterday or Friday. Apologies for that, and also apologies for the last couple of weeks. It's been hit or miss, I understand that. Uh, That's not the promise that I I made to you guys when, when I took over this podcast about Monday to Friday, and I do sincerely apologize for falling short of that promise uh, of Monday to Friday every day uh, with, with finals and engagement and everything. It's been kind of chaotic, so I apologize for that. I am committed to this podcast. we got some good stuff today, so we're going to get right back at it today. Thank you for all of the congratulatory messages and likes and everything, uh, direct messages, replies on Twitter and everything about my engagement. Much appreciated, and we're very excited for this next step. But nevertheless, let's go ahead and get right to the Locked on Cardinals content for the day. I was thinking, what would the Cardinals do, or what, what should the Cardinals do the, the, the moment or the, 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 the days after the lockout is over? And it's an interesting question because I think the market will be fascinating as to what it looks like the days after the lockout. You know, Because if it ends this week, then you still have plenty of time to sign players and I'm still to be comfortable enough to have enough time to be ready for spring training, to be ready for opening day, etc., etc. But if the lockout doesn't end until February 1st, then the day after the lockout is over, you might see some things happen. You might see some, some action right away because you don't have a lot of time to get ready. You have to get these players signed to get them to spring training, get the physicals done, report spring training, play. you got to get them ready quickly. So it, the the answer to this question, what will the teams do and players do right after the lockout, I don't think can accurately be answered again until we know when the lockout will be over. And as of now, early morning or late evening, whenever you're listening on Tuesday, December the 14th, we don't know what that looks like or when it will be over. I doubt it happens before the end of this calendar year. So I still think we're going to be in lockout for a little while longer. It's an interesting topic to discuss as to what the market is going to look like, however, because there, there are a lot of different ways that this could go. I think that the Cardinals could be one of the more aggressive teams out of the break, and you still have some big names of the free agent market still out there. Carlos Correa comes to mind. Trevor Story comes to mind. Two big shortstops. Cream with a crop, shortstop talent-wise of this free agent class, still on the market, still up for grabs. And at least one with some Cardinal ties in Trevor Story. Carlos Correa might be um, a, too big of a fish for to come to St. Louis. Uh, price tag might be a little bit high on him. But then again, with the way that the shortstop and middle infield market went with Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon signing big deals, even Javier Baez, although he got a little less money than he probably expected. But Simeon and Seager particularly, especially the length on Siemens and the, uh, or Simeon, excuse me, and the uh monetary value on Seegers. Those were just through the roof. It'll be interesting to see how that affects the market, not only because those are two prime shortstops and you have to compare them to the rest of the market now, uh, or compare them to the rest of the the shortstop market, I should say, but also 
does that affect the market a lot or does it not? And it might not if, when one of the scenarios that happens, the lockout doesn't end until February or maybe early March even. Because if that happens, then you don't really have a lot of time to negotiate. you got to get these players signed. Players are, have a lot of holes in their rosters. Teams are going to fill their 40-man. They're going to. They're definitely going to want to fill their 26-man roster. So I think that paying attention to when this lockout ends will have a lot to do with how the market shapes up after that. Because, like I said, if the lockout ends tomorrow, probably go back into a little bit more of a normal off-season mode in terms of the length of time between signings and the reports that are out there, the physicals that are done, the time in between will be normal. But again, if it ends in closer to mid-January, February, or even March, or especially if it delays the season, then as soon as that is done, then they're going to want to get players signed. And we even had a signing the other day with Justin Verlander making his contract official uh, with the Houston Astros, which was kind of bizarre. Uh, some things needed to be worked out in that contract, and they were worked out. Um, so, so all this to say, what is the Cardinals' number one motive or number one um, priority, the priority for the St. Louis Cardinals following this lockout? Should it be sign a Trevor Story? Should it be sign a DH and Kyle Schwarber? Should it be go for a reliever like a Joe Kelly, a Brad Hand, Andrew Chafin? Because you have all these different things in play, the stuff I've talked about, as well as what changes the CBA makes. The, the new CBA has in store, will they have a DH in store, which they most likely will? How is the pay structure going to be different? How are the guys in currently in arbitration going to be affected by the new CBA? All these things are coming into play. So who should the Cardinals go after immediately after? The lockout is over. What's the priority? Should it be a reliever since they lost out on Luis Garcia? Should it be Trevor Story because they need to bat? First of all, again, let me know in the YouTube comments or reply to a tweet. Going to get more active on Twitter as well. Locked on LO underscore Cardinals on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can DM me at LJ Fastball right here uh, on the bottom of the screen on your YouTube channel. I'm going to make an argument for a reliever. And I'll Making an argument for a reliever coming up here in segment number two. And again, all this to say, and this will be a kind of a, a caveat for the rest of the show, we don't know what the market is going to look like, but this is where a route I think that the Cardinals should be taking moving forward as we get closer and closer to the lockout hopefully being over. And I'm just ready for some action. I'm ready for some signings to happen. I, I'm, I don't want to be talking about when this is going to happen, if this is going to happen, I'm ready to talk about some signings to be happening. And I think the Cardinals could be aggressive in a reliever market, which is based on some of the reports we saw before the lockout is over. But before I get to my guy that I want the Cardinals to go after, I want to tell you about fan tracks. It's been an interesting offseason um, already with the massive signings and lockout, and it's going to be long time before pitchers and catchers report could be a long time before we see more action but i'm going to give you the inside track on the absolute best baseball platform in the industry that's Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable mlb fantasy platform offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty keeper redraft and best ball leagues create or join the fantasy baseball commissioner league invite your friends and dominate the draft season it's also the top dynasty fantasy baseball performer in the industry so yeah, Fantrax is pretty top-notch in the fantasy baseball industry. Go deep with the ultimate keeper in Dynasty League, create a simple redraft, or even a customizable best ball league up to 2,000 teams. Coming from another service, Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. Even ever have a trade go wrong or make a mistake in dropping a player, Fantrax commissioner tools allow you to undo any move with one simple click. Among the most trusted names in fantasy sports since 2008, Fantrax gives you and is inviting you, excuse me, to sign up today for free. 
If you do, you'll be entered to win an official MLB signed Fernando Tatis Jr. card. So you have all these different ways to play fantasy baseball, and you could win a Fernando Tatis Jr. signed baseball card. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash locked on and enter the promo code Tatis, T-A-T-I-S, when you sign up to be eligible to win. If there's anything lacking in your current fantasy league manager, Fantrax is the answer. Fantasy sports doesn't sleep, but neither does Fantrax with seasons running with 365 days a year. Yes, even right now. There's a reason why fantasy players who try Fantrax make it the permanent home for all their leagues. Don't miss this opportunity. Go to Fantrax.com slash locked on. Enter the promo code Tatis to be eligible to win an official Fernando Tatis Jr. signed baseball card. Fantrax, home of fantasy sports. Play ball. Also want to help you solve a problem that I'm sure most of you have. I'm sure you've got one device that lets you catch a game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You've got sports highlights on your phone and your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. It's confusing. It's a hassle. It's a lot. It's just too much. I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love in one place and to get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand services together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows in one place. No more juggling remotes, no more having to buy another device ever again. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. So before the lockout commenced, we had a couple of reports of the Cardinals being in on the reliever market. And we even saw some say that Luis Garcia could be an option to return for the St. Louis Cardinals. However, he has since been um, signed by, by the Padres, and the so he's no longer an option, clearly, which, I th- which was pretty disappointing on my part. I, I really, he did a fine job. Him and TJ McFarland really saved that bullpen late in the year. And there was a report that Jim Hayes tweeted out a while ago that I didn't get a whole lot of attraction, but I, I think that is worth noting. On November 29th, Jim Hayes says the cards have some early interest in Joe Kelly, but they have yet to circle back, according to a source, close to this kind of thing. Hashtag STL cards. So Joe Kelly, the former Cardinal, um, Cardinal on the 2013 National League Championship team. Uh, Cardinal had some pretty big games that year as well. Um, he was had a $12 million option declined by the Dodgers. So he's, he's going to cost probably a, a, a pretty penny. But when you look back at his numbers, especially as a reliever, they're pretty solid. Again, he was a starter for the Cardinals uh, really from 2012-2013. He was traded to the Red Sox midseason in 2014. The last season when he was a full-time starter was in 2015 with the Red Sox, in which he had a 4.82 ERA. Um, had 20 games, six starts in 2016, had 518 ERA, and then he went full-time bullpen in 2017 and has flourished ever since moving to the bullpen in 2017. So from 2017 to 2021, that's two seasons with the Boston Red Sox and three with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He has an ERA 362, um, 229 innings pitched, an ERA plus of 120, whip of just 1.2, whip of 3.5, given up just 16 home runs. He's got... 241 strikeouts. He's finished 45 games, throwing five saves in there. That is pretty solid indeed. Strikeouts per nine has been solid. Last year was a little bit high, um, or was higher than, than the year before, excuse me. 
This is a guy that knows how to win. He was a World Series champion with Boston in 2018 and a World Series champion with the Dodgers in 2020. A National League champion with the Cardinals again back in 2013, starting some very big games for them. So yes, Joe Kelly is going to cost a pretty penny, but I think it could be a nice reunion between him and the St. Louis Cardinals. He's a character. You know, we, we all remember that that pouty face that, that he showed towards Carlos Correa and the Houston Astros as when he was a Los Angeles Dodgers. He could be a weapon in this bullpen, and I think that he could be a weapon for for multiple reasons. One being that he can truly be a mentor to some of these guys, to some of these young flamethrowers. Maybe he could be a mentor to a Jordan Hicks, to an Alex Reyes, maybe even to a Giovanni Gallegos, to a Ryan Helsley, all right-handed relievers that have been solid but have room to grow. And maybe Joe Kelly is the, 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 the guy that they need to take their careers in the next step. And again, as I mentioned, Joe Kelly is going to cost a pretty penny, um, but it it could be worth it in the long run. Um, and again, this was a report by um, by Jim Hayes that there was, was interesting. Here's the salary according to baseball reference over the last couple of seasons. It was $8 million 2021, or 2020, rather, $8 million 2021. Uh, 2018 with the Red Sox, it was $8 million. The year before that, it was... Uh, 2.8 million, 2.6 million in 2016. Before that, it was all under 1 million. So you have to think it probably, you know, his contract was set to be $4 million in 2022. Again, according to baseball reference. But Joe Kelly is a is a weapon. He's a dynamic weapon in the bullpen. He's not necessarily going to close games for you, per se. Uh, I, I do think that that job belongs to Giovanni Gallegos. Um but at the same time, Joe Kelly could be a guy that, that could be a great setup man. He could take the role of Alex Reyes. If Alex Reyes is going to be uh, a starter, he could take the role of Jordan Hicks as, as a setup man. He could be a really solid um, reliever. And the Cardinals need a really solid reliever. And it, it's an interesting question of should the Cardinals go after Joe Kelly? Should they go after Trevor Story? Should they not go after Story at all? Should they go after Schwarber or DH? Do they trust Sosa? Do they trust Gorman at the DH? All these questions I don't think will be answered until opening day or maybe even until the end of the season. But again, Joe Kelly is a is a interest is an intriguing option to me, excuse me. Um just because I again I, I think that he's a guy that, you know, 33 years old will be 34 um to start the next season. I think that he could be a weapon out of this bullpen. Um, it'll be 34 in June of next year. Excuse me. Joe Kelly is a character. I think that the, the, the fans in St. Louis would love him. And again, a reunion between him and St. Louis is not something that I would throw completely out of the window. He's won before. He has won with the Cardinals in 2013. He was traded again in 2014. Won with Boston in 18. He was a winner on the Dodgers. This guy knows how to pitch. He's a flamethrower now. I think some guys are just more suited for the bullpen than they were the starting rotation. Joe Kelly, after a, a lot of a lot of reps as a starter, has found success in the bullpen. He's able to just let loose, fire away, drop off a nasty slider as well. He's got good stuff, solid changeup. He is somebody that found success in the bullpen when he was able to not, you know, Maybe some guys try and manage too much of their worth or manage too much of their, their energy, excuse me, throughout a given start, and they nitpick and they, they guide a little bit. But in the bullpen, sometimes you've got one inning in there. Sometimes you've got, before the three-batter minimum rule, sometimes you had a batter. But now it, you're going to have three batters minimum. 
You could only get three batters in a game. Even, and if you finish an inning, maybe you only get one batter. So you've just got to let loose, and Joe Kelly has found his success as a flamethrower in the bullpen. And I think Joe Kelly is a great option for the St. Louis Cardinals to reunite with and to put him in the bullpen and see him flourish. Maybe close out his career with the Cardinals, sign him to a two-year contract as a 33-year-old, get him to age 35, and then let him go his merry way there. He had a lot of success in St. Louis. He was a fun guy in St. Louis. He's found a lot of success elsewhere. He's a very popular guy elsewhere. Joe Kelly, reunion with the St. Louis Cardinals. I think that that is more, could be more likely than a Trevor Story deal based on the reports of John Mozeliak saying that Paul DeYoung is likely going to be the opening day shortstop or Edmundo Sosa being a, a, a wise replacement or a worthy replacement of DeYoung. But just a little sidebar on that note. Yeah, I know Mozeliak has said that, but John Mozeliak, a couple days prior to the Nolan Arenado trade, also said that Matt Carpenter will likely be the opening day third baseman in 2021. And we all saw how that turned out. Nolan Arenado, a Cardinal, Matt Carpenter, bench player, and now a free agent. Take John Mozeliak's words for what they're worth, for whether they're worth a grain of salt to you or whether they're worth a million dollars to you. We won't know until a trade is made. And I think that... Just because John Mozeliak says he has trust in DeYoung and that DeYoung will be the opening day shortstop. I'm not calling Mozeliak a liar by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe when Mozeliak said that quote, he didn't know an Arenado trade was... I don't know. I'm not trying to mince his words or anything, but I would just be patient. All right, back to the reliever. I think that, that the Cardinals have been known to be in the reliever market ever since they signed Steven Matz. And, you know, on offseason addition, the offseason additions of Steven Matz and Joe Kelly is not a bad offseason. You know, especially when you retain T.J. McFarland, you've got Adam Wainwright still. You've got Yadier Molina back on your contracts. Um, two solid uh, extensions; those were signed um, in the middle of last season. You know, maybe you you could be oh that they needed a bat, and I, I you know I, I could concede that point. I understand that point, and I do think that they should still get a bat. But if you look at an offseason of Joe Kelly or a, a bullpen piece, maybe even two bullpen pieces, if you get a cheaper right-hander and a cheaper left-hander. Um, a left-handed pitcher and mats and maybe a bench bat or, or starting shorts up if you want to go splashy and if you want to go big. There's a lot of different avenues for success here for the St. Louis Cardinals when you look at how the offseason is going to turn out. Um, and I think that just looking at it, they have to sign Trevor Story or Bust, or just looking at it that they have to sign Joe Kelly or a reliever or Bust is, is the wrong way to look at it. There's a lot of different ways the Cardinals can still be extremely successful this offseason. It's just a matter of how they're going to get to that successful point. Um, so what, what do you think? Do you think they should go after Joe Kelly? Do you think they should go after a different star or reliever? Let me know in the comments section, DM on Twitter, reply to a tweet, whatever you like. Even if you want to reply to my engagement picture on Twitter at LJ Fastball, let me know what you think about the Cardinals going after Joe Kelly. Um, and it was on this day, uh, on yesterday's date, excuse me, uh, in 2003, that Adam Wainwright was traded to the St. Louis Cardinals. And I thought it'd be interesting to look back at that trade and how that trade went for the Atlanta Braves and the St. Louis Cardinals. So we'll be talking about that in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about a new apparel that I've been wearing a lot recently. It's called Stance. They just launched a new line of active apparel. It's holiday gifting time and Stance socks is a great way to go. It's different than just the old socks that you get year in and year out. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical invention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. So it's not just socks, it's all sorts of active apparel. They have a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity. Stance brings an atypical aesthetic along some 
of pop culture's hottest collaborations for the ultimate in style and self-expression because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and where you feel. They have incredible collaborations with Batman, The Goonies, Star Wars, Harry Potter, Disney, Marvel, The Office, and so much more. So let's check it out for yourself. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than just fitting in. Those who feel good, do good. See for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and enjoy 15% off your first purchase. That promo code to use is locked on. L O C K E D O N locked on gets you 15% off your first purchase of stance.com. Enjoy color and comfort of a life less ordinary with stance. December 13th, 2003 is a day that will live in infamy forever, and here is why. Because on that date, Adam Wainwright, along with Jason Marquis and Ray King, were traded to the St. Louis Cardinals in exchange for J.D. Drew and Eli Marrero. Adam Wainwright, the local Georgia boy, the, the Georgian native, traded to the St. Louis Cardinals, a team that had some success in the early 2000s and traded for some pretty successful pieces. Before we look at Adam Wainwright's success and tenure, we all know about that. Let's take a look at who the Braves got in that deal. Again, the Braves received J.D. Drew, pretty big name at the time, and Eli Marrero. Eli Marrero was a was a pretty solid player overall. He played for the Cardinals from 1997 to 2003. In 2003, he had just two home runs, played just in 41 games. 2002 was probably his best season. It was the most games he played in a single season as a Cardinal. 131 games. He had 397 at-bats. Hit 104 hits. It's the career high in hits for a single season for him. He had his career high in home runs that year, 18. Career high in doubles that year, 19. Pretty solid season. 2003 didn't follow it up, but it was J.D. Drew that was the big name in this deal from the Braves' perspective. J.D. Drew played for the Cardinals uh, 14 games in 1998 all the way through, again, 2003. He had 13, 18, 27, and 18, and 15 home runs respectively each year. You You throw that in with 16, 17, 18, 19, and 13 doubles. Pretty solid seasons for the St. Louis Cardinals. More than 100 hits in 2001 in 2002, as well as 2000, misspoke there. So J.D. Drew, pretty solid player. He was the big name. Um, and when you look at what he did for the Braves in 2004, he only played one season with the Braves, but he hit 31 home runs, drove in 93 runs driven in, uh, had 158 hits, 28 doubles, walked um, 118 times in 145 games. That was the second most games he played in a single season in his entire career. So for J.D. Drew, you could argue he had a career year with the Atlanta Braves. 31 home runs, career high, 93 RBIs, the second most highest, but the one closest to, to 93 was 73. So very, very different in terms of second and third most in that hits in that, that list. 158 hits that year. That's the most in a single season in his career. 28 doubles is the second most. So from the Braves' standpoint, J.D. Drew was a solid player for them. Ray King, when he got traded from the Braves to the Cardinals, he was a Solid pitcher for the Cardinals for two years. He had a 2.61 ERA in 2004 and a 3.68 ERA in 2005. In 2004, he pitched in 86 games. And in 2005, he pitched in 77 games, 62 innings, and 40 innings, respectively. Not too bad. Again, two seasons for the Cardinals after one season for the Braves in which he had a 3.58 ERA. And Ray King had a respectable 3.46 ERA across 593 big league games, 411 innings. 
Jason Marquis is an interesting one. Two seasons, or excuse me, four seasons with the Braves. His entire career was spent with the Braves up to that point. And then he pitched in three seasons for the Cardinals. He was 15-7 and seven in his first year, 13-14, and 14-16 and 14 and before being, um, uh, before he moved on to the Cubs, excuse me. First year was solid in 2004, 3.71 ERA, 201 innings pitched. Even the next year, we had a 4.13 ERA. He pitched in 207 innings. He was a workhorse, 194 innings the next year, but a 6.82 ERA in 33 games started. He was a workhorse. He ate up innings. Don't get me wrong. But I think that if the Braves were to make this trade again, I don't think they would. Because, yes, J.D. Drew had a monster season. Eli Marrero was solid, okay. Ray King, they gave up. He was respectable, but nothing top-notch. Jason Marquis gave the Cardinals one solid year. So, yes, they got J.D. Drew, which was a great pickup for them for one season. But also, you look at it, it was for one season. And let's take a look at what Adam Wainwright has done for the St. Louis Cardinals across 16 years. 184 wins. 335 ERA, 2,375 and two-thirds innings. An ERA plus of 119. He's got 2,004 strikeouts. A FIP of 343, a whip of 1.2. Multiple top Cy Young finishes, a three-time All-Star with the Cardinals, and a borderline Hall of Famer. He's led the league in wins twice. He's led the league in games started twice. He's led the league in complete games three times. Led the league in shutouts twice. Led the league in innings pitched twice. And... Just a phenomenal guy that you don't want to see leave your organization. Hindsight is 2020. You can see, again, I get it. Looking back at these trades, it's probably easy to say from the Braves' perspective, yeah, probably shouldn't have let Adam Wainwright go. But from a Cardinals' perspective, the Cardinals, in my mind, make this trade 10 times out of 10, twice on Sunday for the rest of time. This is one of those, again, most trades won't be truly known whether they're a win or loss, sometimes until years after the trade has been completed, sometimes until all players involved in the trade have been retired, or maybe maybe sometimes it's sooner. But this is a trade that even though Adam Wainwright is still playing, this, this trade was a win for the Cardinals. And it happened in 2003 on yesterday's date, December 13, 2003. Um, one of the greatest, one, one of the better trades in Cardinal history if I do say so myself. So that's going to do it for today's episode. Tomorrow we're taking a look at the results of the Rule 5 draft that happened last week. A little late on reporting on that, but we'll talk about the Rule 5 draft, who the Cardinals lost, who they picked up, as well as looking at past Rule 5 draft picks and some successful Rule 5 draft picks uh, on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Cardinals. So be sure to come back tomorrow, whether you're watching or listening. Thanks for tuning in today, and be sure to come back tomorrow as well. And until I talk to you guys tomorrow, be sure to stay safe, stay well, and have a fantastic rest of your day.